Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio, hopefully. I'm your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. So, Also with me, Lavender Gooms. Welcome back to Spider-Man, to the MCU, after two months away. What? Oh, you don't know, Bob? Uh, oh, God. Oh, MCU, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. The dick measuring contest. That was, yeah, that was great for everybody. Finally. Kid presentable. Oh, we knew that it was all coming, right? And then without this was all negotiation from the start. My my so favorite there was never a doubt. My favorite part was like Disney's like, let us leak what happened, and maybe because we make good movies, people will just agree with us. And that worked for a day or two, and then everybody's like, All right, uh, you corporations can just figure your own shit out. Solve it. We want Spider-Man. And they did. Great times. All right, boys and girls, uh, we recorded a whole show last week. We really did. I promise you. It was great. I mean, not really. The first 10 minutes were real good. It kind of petered after that. But <laughs> it, uh, technical glitch. It kind of is what it is. Uh, you can blame Move AVI Screen Capture Studio 8. And when you Google that, you'll say, well, they're on, they're on Screen Capture 10 now, Bobby. Why are you guys using 8? Because we can't buy a new one every time. That's why. We're making zero dollars here. Zero dollars. Okay. This is not a cash generating operation. But nonetheless, we're if here. A, if a magnanimous listener would like to send us the money for the new move, though, Mike will suck whoa. your dick. All right. Uh, whoa. What? <laughs> we're off to a really strange start, guys. Yeah. Um, all right, boys and girls. Um, we didn't. Uh, we're going to talk about UFC in Copenhagen, which, when watching this, I thought I should visit Copenhagen. Looks like a nice place. Um, people probably a little sadder after that main event. My uh, my friend Claudio proposed to his uh, fiance in Copenhagen about two months ago. Oh, did he have a good time in addition to the proposing? <laughs> well, she said yes, so yes. Okay, so everything up until that moment, he was real nervous, and everything after that, he was just euphoric. So his opinion is very so. biased. Um, we're gonna talk about Jared Cannonier versus Danson Jack Hermanson. Uh, we're gonna talk about Mark, not the one from the Lakers. Madsen, we're going to talk about uh, Eon Kutulaba, who just yells at people. Um, talk about Gilbert Burns. We're not talking about OSP. You guys know what OSP does. Um, and we're talking about some bad refereeing, which just really annoyed me. Bellator did a bunch of stuff. A referee called a guy an asshole or called a guy a piece of shit. We've taken the side of the referee. We'll get to that. Uh, we're going to preview the UFC's uh, card this coming weekend in are they in sydney or melbourne boys melbourne melbourne australia at marvel stadium um a fifty thousand seat arena and the ufc is just sitting there praying to the gods that bobby knuckles and izzy adesanya don't get hurt um there are some news i think we'll talk about that and uh stuff we like let's get into it marcus jared cannonier Official contender at 185 pounds. 
went out there in Copenhagen in a fight where, let's be honest, not saying the UFC wanted him to lose, but it was set up for him to lose. Taken on Jack Hermanson, man who's who was on a uh, four-fight win streak, um, including wins over Jacare and David Branch. Uh, actually from Sweden, but Scandinavian. People were there excited for him. Jared Cannonier coming off of a win over Anderson Silva. Marcus, just a real great performance from... Uh, Cannoneer on this one, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, no, he had to fight through some adversity. And I think when we talked about it last week, which unfortunately you guys didn't get to hear, um, you know, we all picked um, Jack Hermanson. I mean, and, and hard not to with all the momentum that he's generated, especially with that Jacare win. Not not just beating Jacare, but completely dominating him from bell to bell um, was incredibly impressive. And while Jared has also been impressive at middleweight. You know, he did finish Anderson Silva. Um, you know, the stock on Anderson at this point is a lot lower. So going into this fight, Jack Hermanson, really the favorite, but uh, Cannoneer, definitely a uh, a fighting chance of this one for sure. And the first round was very competitive. It was very close. Hermanson definitely wanted to get this fight on the ground. He is superior um, on top. He has really good ground and pound. He was trying to utilize that, but um, to Cannoneer's credit, you know, while he did get taken down a couple times, Dude was really on point. It was able to shoot back up, work his way back up, um, try to keep this fight standing as much as he could. And in that first round, I mean, I'm trying to remember. I wasn't paying like super close attention, but I thought Jack did enough to kind of steal it. He got some takedowns. He didn't really seem to want to engage, especially with hands with uh, Jared. But, um, you know, the takedowns seemed to be working, um, which ultimately led to his downfall. Um, when he tried to shoot in early in the second round, he caught an uppercut which really rocked him, did not put him out. He was very much still in control of his faculties, but basically had to go, you know, go to the ground, had to cover up, and Jared Cannonier just stormed on him. And it definitely looked like if Jack Hermanson maybe hadn't sustained quite as much damage, had his head a little bit more together, um, he could have gone out of that situation. Basically, Cannonier was really bombing on him, but did not have great control of him. He was basically in somewhat of a side mount, just throwing bombs. Um, you know, Jack could have done some things, but basically just covered up and tried to weather the storm and just too many good punches got in and the referee stopped the fight. A, a huge win for Jared Cannonier. I mean, all the momentum that was that we had for um, Hermanson going into this fight with a huge Jacare win. I mean, all of that just shifts over to Jared where now the story is this guy used to be heavyweight. He has slowly found, I think, probably his ideal weight class here at middleweight and, you know, pretty much overnight became a major contender. I mean, I think maybe some fans kind of knew who he was after beating Anderson Silva. I think that was a big win for him. But like I said, that win, I don't think it impressed us entirely, especially how it ended. It wasn't, you know, the most perfect, um, you know, it wasn't the most fully dominant performing performance over Anderson. He threw a lot of low kicks. Anderson was injured and had to stop. You have to give credit to Jared there, but this fight really solidifies him in the middleweight division. And I think really, Jumps him up, I mean, just leaps and bounds in that rankings, and I think he's clearly in the title picture now. Yeah, Mark, you uh, led me to what I want to talk to Steph about. It's a man who's 13-4, and four, been in the UFC since UFC uh, 182 uh, back in January 2015, but he came in as a heavyweight, and um, Steph, I guess it's really hard to like overstate the importance of, re- of finding your correct weight class. Um, this man was fighting, I mean, his losses are to people like Sean Jordan, Glover Teixeira, Jan Blachowicz, Dominic Reyes. These are all talented fighters, but when you're tipping the scales uh, in just the wrong weight class, you're 5'11", being a heavyweight, 
you're just putting yourself up for a, as a disadvantage, wouldn't you say? I mean, I think you can also see it's just like what kind of weight was he carrying? Clearly, he wasn't carrying good weight. He was he was a big fatty, is what he was. He was he he he's basically dropped a hundred pounds. You look at him now; he's shredded. He's athletic. Like he wasn't, you know, he's not like Brock Lesnar, where he's just a big, massive man. Clearly, this is a more natural weight class for him. You know, like you know, uh, Daniel Cormier is one of the few other guys to have any success at heavyweight being like sub six feet tall. But it, a lot of people aren't really long for it. Um, yeah, it was. It, it wasn't just that he was heavyweight. It was a bad heavyweight, man. And we, we see that with some guys, right? Mm-hmm. And when you look at what his like track record was, that's kind of what we see out of those guys. Uh, like, uh, who was the one I was asking Mark about? Like, the, the fat cop guy? Like, what was his name? Uh, y'all know who I'm talking about. He was a big fat cop guy. We liked him because he was a big fat guy. But, Russo? Uh, Mike Russo. Mike Russo. Right. Mike Russo. Russo, yeah. I'm just saying, there's a, there's a lot of heavyweights littered with guys who are like that, where they're just big and they could probably punch hard and they think that's enough. Um, but, you know, if you really wanted to put it together, you actually need to take your body seriously. And, I mean, props to him, man. He's done it. Like, any of us who can say we've lost 100 pounds in our careers or in our just general lives, probably not, you know. Um, it, it, it's just impressive in that feat. But, yeah, now all of a sudden... Like Mark said, he, he's got all the momentum in the world. And, you know, I'll remember it more last time. It's like not that we disliked him or anything when we were talking about him last week. It's just I think we said you look at the you look at the names in their uh, kind of records against each other. One of them just had a more impressive list. But um, now suddenly this is the most impressive name. Yeah, we, we, we got a man with three fights at middleweight, three finishes and two performance bonuses against David Branch, Anderson Silva, Jack Hermanson. It's no sh- it was nice beating all those guys. Um, I'm going to put this out there because I just noticed this. I generally find people editing Wikipedia pages to make a joke at this point not terribly funny. But whoever, and I don't know when you did this, as one of Jared Cannonier's nicknames put a reverse rumble with a link to Anthony Rumble Johnson's Wikipedia page, that's not bad. All right? <laughs> I knew Mike would appreciate that one. That is not bad. All right? Um... Man's going down and wait, as opposed to, you know, Rumble doing the other thing. Um, did anybody see Mark Madsen do his thing besides me? I did not. Okay. Mark Madsen, which we had a lot of fun last week. You guys didn't get to enjoy this, but Mark Madsen, those of you who don't watch basketball, was a basketball player for the Los Angeles Lakers. And he actually went to high school with um, me, Stefan, and Mark. Um, he actually, he actually, his older, his younger brother was a classmate of ours. Good kid. Um, Mark Madsen, most famously known for doing stuff. I'd say the goofiest dance in the history of victory parades. Up there. For context, like Mark Madsen is like the goodiest two shoes of like Mormons. Yeah. Like whoever, whatever your picture of the corniest Mormon, like family in the world is, that was the Madsons. That is to say they're very lovable, nice and sweet people. But it's just like super corny, dorky. And yeah, dancing alongside Shaq in a victory parade. Okay. All that to tell you, this other guy's name, this other guy, not the same Mark Madsen. He goes by Mark O. Madsen, which I hope, Steph, I hope is because the other Mark Madsen is too famous for him to have to call himself Mark Madsen, too. I mean, world champion Mark Madsen, you know, you got to differentiate. So this gentleman is a silver medalist in the Olympics in Greco. And he came out and people lost their fucking minds. Um, huge cheers, huge, huge cheers. Um, he's an Olympic hero for them and he's walking out there and he's fighting at 155 and Dan Hardy saying some shit like, 
and I have a general amount of faith in Dan Hardy as a commentator. I think he's really good at it, saying that this man might, with his skill set might be able to run through this division. And I'm like, what? Like, that's the type of hyperbole I expect from other people uh, who do commentary. Was uh, was this his first fight in the UFC? His first fight in the UFC. Um, his first fight at lightweight. Um, he'd been fighting welterweight on the uh, independent scene. And um, they have a pretty strong independent MMA scene up there in Scandinavia in general. Um, he fought a 72-second fight. Uh, this poor son of a bitch, Danilo uh, Bella Warde, got taken down. And then this guy mauled him like a bear. Just beat the crap out of him. I like seeing that. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, it was kind of hard to like draw any big conjectures out of a 72-second fight. But it looked like he was just like he wasn't just a wild about it in general. He fought a fairly measured. He's 35 years old, I think. So he better be running through this division if that's the plan here. He's already 35. Um, I was impressed, but it's really only so you can only be so impressed when you're fighting, you know, uh, when you got when you got a bum fights thing going on here, man. Um, well, that's not nice. Um, but yeah, Mark Madsen, someone we got to keep an eye out for. Uh, Martin Campman's his head coach, which I think Martin Campman's job is to teach him how to throw a straight punch. Uh, that's it. Uh, Marcus was the other the next fight down the line. Uh, no, it was G Gilbert Burns and Gunnar Nelson. Did anyone watch this? I did. Did you? No, and uh, which is which is a shame because, I mean, again, we you know you can get to hear our analysis. Um, it was just me, Steph, and Bob, and we all picked Gunner. And I don't think any of us had a great reason. We all, um, my, the, I had a terrible reason, and then yeah, I just said like I want us to all have the same record if we get it right. No, Gunner Nelson went out there and disappointed us the way only Gunner Nelson can. Mark, he he fought. He was a he was not he he's not a he's too passive. You know, I'm not saying he can't be a counter-striker, but it looks like he's just standing there a lot of times. Gilbert Burns is a good fighter, too. Straight up. Gilbert Burns is a good fighter. He was happy to go to the ground because he's got a world championship in jiu-jitsu. He's a second-degree bout belt, a black belt. He's one of those guys. And he's on a four, he's on a three-fight win streak. He had no problem going to the ground, and he apparently had wanted this fight for years. It was a big win for him. Do you guys remember when we thought Gunnar Nelson was like, gonna be the shit you know the thing is about Gunnar nelson is that he's got all the skills in the world but i don't understand his general approach what he's doing a lot of times he loses these fights sometimes just it seems like because like he's just trying to react i mean that's just my impression of him what do you think mark i mean i didn't see this fight but Gunnar nelson in general i again i'm not asking for him to go wild but i need him to be slightly more aggressive yeah, I mean, my um, what, I, what I was getting to earlier was that it's a shame I didn't watch this fight because, once again, we have another performance from Gilbert Burns where he gets a solid win, this time over probably his most credible opponent. And not seeing it, not getting the footage, you know, next time he has another fight turnaround, I'm not going to think too highly of him still. I mean, hopefully I look back and see that he beat Gunner. But basically, I have been underestimating Gilbert Burns probably throughout his entire career. The only reason why he stuck out at all is because Stefan likes to make the, the great Simpsons joke about a Boo Earns, which we all get a great chuckle out of. But at the end of the day, you know, this is another opportunity I could have had to see what this fighter has because obviously he's been making some waves. He's been around. He's getting in the upper echelon of lightweight previously and now in welterweight. Um, and again, I just this is just another thing, almost like the Kobe, Kobe Covington thing, where it's just like, I'm not seeing this guy fight because 
generally I'm not super interested in his fights. Um, and then as they climb the ranks, you know, I'm not getting the footage in my head. I'm not building that database of like, oh, this is what this guy does well. This is what when he matches up with other opponents, I need to be aware of to try to make more accurate picks. So I'm probably just going to not pick him in the next fight and be wrong again. And, um, you know, nothing has been learned is essentially what I'm getting at. Because uh, overall, I wasn't too surprised that Gunner lost this fight. I think we were picking fights last time. We didn't have a great reason for picking Gunner because, like Bob, like you said, the skill set's there. You know, he's a great stand-up fighter. He's fantastic on the ground. It's just so often in these fights, it seems like he loses just because there's a, a desire to get in there and really throw down with these guys and showcase that incredible skill level that he has. And he kind of just lets the fight materialize naturally and just hope the outcome turns out his way instead of kind of taking the bull by the horns and being like, no, I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to really put forth my best effort and control and dominate this other opponent where he seems to be kind of trying to do the Bruce Lee thing of like, oh, I'm going to flow like water and he's going to give me something and I'll come back with something and what I come back with will be better than what he gave out. And that just hasn't worked out for him consistently throughout his career. So he needs to make some adjustments um, and we should all be more wary of picking him if we don't start seeing those adjustments in his game, I feel. Exactly. Well, I was saying, like, when we were, me and Bob were chatting a little bit earlier, in hindsight, it kind of makes perfect sense because I feel like in the, my memory and the history of when they go to these Nordic countries, they don't do well. the, the Nordic guys don't do so well. <laughs> the, the, the Nordic crowd goes home very disappointed when they have local heroes on the fight card. It's like we, we saw Alexander Gustafson just silence the crowd twice. Why did I think Hermanson and Gunner were going to be any different? No, of course they're going to disappoint. Of course all those fans are going to go home disappointed in their local boys. Um, Eon Kutelaba screamed at Khalil Roundtree at the weigh-in, which was real weird. And then they fought for two oh. and a half minutes, and Khalil Roundtree does not feel the need to learn to grapple. I was personally offended by how he yelled at <laughs> When I saw that in the way, and I was like, if I was around here, I would have punched that dude right in the face. You and get in my face and yell in my face. Like, I'm at least shoving that motherfucker. Roundtree was much more mature than I was and kind of just, he basically like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? What a weirdo. Um, ultimately, I tuned into this fact because I was like, I really hope Roundtree is a piece of shit out of this guy because I don't like this at all. Some dude's yelling in my face. I'm, I'm personally offended. Um, but yeah, Bobby's right. Um, he was able to pick off single legs all day on Roundtree and just kick that other leg out. Constantly was able to get him down. Roundtree, you know, to his credit, was able to work back up a couple of times. And when they were standing, had no hesitation throwing them hands and really showed the kind of mastery of range that we kind of see with uh, Robert Whitaker, where this guy throws big looping long punches but he knows the distance and they kind of land and i think um you know his opponent kind of tipped off pretty quickly like okay this isn't a great place for me to be throwing bombs with this guy let's just keep taking him down eventually was able to get him down and got enough distance to really start throwing some ground and pound and finish the fight pretty early in the first good showing from him yeah good win for him the hulk did not come out with a green paint at the weigh-ins like he normally does um so that's a thing uh, OSP got a Von Flu choke like the eighth time he's done it. Um, nice. This fight pissed me off. Uh, Nicholas Dalby against uh, Cowboy Oliveira. Because this referee had no fucking idea what he was doing. And I hate this shit where we go to a country for the first time and we let the local officials ref the, ref the fights. That shit doesn't happen in other leagues. You know what I mean? Like... There, you you get the good ones, and this referee literally like we have a situation where Dalby's kicking ass, 
um, gets Oliveira to the ground. Oliveira's throwing illegal up kicks. The referee stops it to check on Dalby, and then he restarted the fight with both of them standing. Like, what What the fuck? And it's the end of the round, and Oliveira cracks Dalby. Which I'm just like, if I'm a judge, if I know anything, I'm like, well, you just fucked this guy's roundup. And thankfully, the right decision was made here. Big win for Nicholas Dalby, who um, he was cut from the UFC. Um, I'm Let's just be honest with ourselves. He's from Copenhagen. The UFC's trying to fill out a card. That's part of the reason he made it back. But the guy left the UFC and he's won three, three, he went undefeated in four straight fights, uh, to make it back to the UFC and a referee almost fucked it all up because he didn't know what he was doing. I'm just, I will say this. I did not see this fight. So I'm, I'm sure it was egregious and bad. I will say this generally for the UFC. Doesn't happen too often. Probably why they're not good at it. They are not good at, at restarting in the down yeah. position. As someone, I mean, as someone who watched Pride, they're restarting these motherfuckers every five seconds. Like, oh, dude's yeah. coming out of the ring. Let's get eight little yeah. Japanese referees to drag these huge Bob Sapp motherfuckers to the center of the ring. I love, I love, I love. There, they're like, okay, this guy's in full guard. He had an underhook here. They get it pretty close. I think a lot of times UFC is like, oh, yeah, you guys were on the ground. Um, Get on the ground real quick. And sure, that was a good fight. And it's just like, okay. No, they literally bit, uh, stood them up. And like the referee is like the now the commentator, Dan Hardy's losing his mind. So much so that I'm pretty sure the referee looked over at Dan Hardy because Dan Hardy was like, start him on the ground. Like that was the thing. And like, I was just frustrated. Big win for Dalby. Oliveira's good. Um, Oliveira is uh, a solid fighter. I mean, he's lost a couple here, but he's, you know. I kind of felt bad when they were listing all of his wins about all the like good people Oliveira had beaten. They just didn't even mention Will Brooks. And I was like, man, Will Brooks didn't get mentioned, but like Ryan LaFlair did. Is Will Brooks still in the UFC? I honestly don't know where Will Brooks is. So. Like, I don't know if he's still fighting or what. Yeah, I, I, we, got, we got blocked. <laughs> Will Brooks got mad that I pointed out that Bellator didn't have him on their like banner of champions. I mean, th- that is literally. I was, on, I was on your side, Will Brooks. I was trying to be like, where is lightweight champion Will Brooks? The only other time we mentioned him was when he was going on a rant about how much he was angry at Bellator, and I just asked, "When's when's your, how many fights are left on your contract?" It was either your message or mine. Neither of them were particularly offensive. Will Brooks doesn't like factual information. Yeah, like, out about him. We're trying to be journalists here, and like Will Brooks, mistake one. Yeah, that's clearly it. He has. He's in PFL. Oh, okay. That that makes sense. Last last fight eleven months ago. And how'd that go? Uh, He's expected to fight. He was gonna fight. Okay. 11 months ago, he fought. How He got? got a draw, and they have a point system in PFL, which I actually know that. I've been watching PFL, okay. and he did not have enough points to advance. Uh, he lost a tiebreaker. PFL is a good time, guys. I do, I do like me a draw. I like me a fighting draw. Uh, well, dude, PFL is a good time. Just putting that out there. Um, Sire Baharazada was on the undercard doing his annual UFC fight. Uh, he didn't win. Um, Bellator put on, we were making fun of this. God, that's the part of the show. I'm very unhappy. You guys didn't get to hear me and Mark just shitting on Bellator. Um, Bellator like I rewriting history. I very rarely shit on Bellator. Oh, I shit on Bellator. Stefan helped. Um, they, uh, they put on like three events in two days, but it was really two events and they called it three events. There was a lot going on. Um, the takeaways though, is that, um, 
we got and we, we AJ McKee is for, is for real. Like AJ McKee is super for real. Um, he won on the same card as his pops, Antonio McKee. He put down Georgie Karakanyan in eight seconds. And Georgie Karakanyan is a very, very good fighter. Um, so he advanced in the tournament. Uh, Patricio uh, Pitbull advanced in the tournament. Darian Caldwell advanced, and so did Daniel Weichel. Machida lost to Musasi by split. Um, didn't watch it. Didn't watch any of that. Um, but this frees up Machida to face BJ Penn when they run back that open weight fight mark. Now that BJ Penn's been released. Nice. BJ I'm, Penn's going to be like, you know what? That street fight taught me. I need to get fat again. Hey, I'm just saying, if Machida's fighting at 185, BJ Penn can get to 185, no problem. He was 197 when I fought. Yeah, I think they fought it like heavyweight because Machida, I think at that point, was like a heavyweight. He I mean, was Machida was like 240. <laughs> he, yeah. was, he was just fat. Um, yeah, um, on the other, and then they also had a card in Dublin. Big win for James Gallagher. Um, Benson Henderson had a ho-hum performance, which... If you've seen some boring Ben Henderson fights, if he's admitting that it was ho hum, that uh, that tells you exactly what we got going on there. Um, I mean, it was also over a guy who I was once upon a time pretty hyped on. What the fuck happened to Miles Jury? I remember Miles Jury. <laughs> what took what an, happened to that guy's career? He took an ass kicking from Cowboy Cerrone, and Cowboy Cerrone was so offended by how like non aggressive Miles Jury was, he was just kicking him in the ass while he was on the ground to end the fight. And I don't know what happened. Like that was it. Nothing you did ever again mattered. It was weird. Um, but yeah, um, we also, I mean, they put on like 50 fights in these three events for Bellator. Uh, Michael Venom Page uh, fought a squash match against a guy with a 2-1-1 record and danced the whole time, which, man, Mike, this does nothing for me anymore. I don't, I I get that he's like good, but... I, he's like got 17 fights. I know that I've always been the proponent on this show for, uh, you know, taking more of the, the, the boxing route where you give guys, you know, a few squash matches before, uh, an actual, before actual competition. Mm. But uh, this is just going too far with Michael Venom page. Well, what does he have over the higher ups in Bellator? Like he's got to have some very incriminating pictures that he's able to get all of these super easy fights. Well, I, it's like let, one thing to be like, I'm going to build a fighter, but they already built this fucker. And they sent him out to be like, okay, we spent seven years cultivating this dude. Time to send him out against the real, you know, the real killers out there. He loses one fight. They're like, let's start all it over. It was only one fight, Stefan. Stefan, go ahead. He just lost one, though. Like, uh, what I'm going to say, in semi, semi-defensive Bellator, they did book him and Paul Daly, but as I said after that fight, never have I seen a fight where both fighters came out as losers. Everyone looked worse for being involved in that mess. Paul Daly wrestled. He tried to wrestle for victory, and it, it was bad. It was just so bad. It's uh, truly one of the worst like black eyes in the history of the sport. Like I'm watching Izzy Adesanya on, in the other promotion be a guy the UFC built. Be a flashy striker the UFC built. And like Once upon a time I thought they were the same guy. You gotta like you gotta push you gotta go for it, man. Like it's time. He the other guy was two I'm sorry, strike force had him at three and one. But what the fuck? Like and like he's dancing the whole time. He beats him. Good for fucking you. He's still dancing after he put the guy out. The referee's trying to pull him away from him. Tan Dan Mergliata, who's a gentleman. 
and a class act, Mike. You remember how nice Tan Dan was to us? He was very nice and very tan. Very tan, very nice. We asked him what Paul Daly, what Koscheck was saying to Paul Daly, and he was too nice and too respectful to say the words. All right? According to Michael Venom Page, Tan Dan Mergliata, while pulling Michael Page away from this opponent, called him a piece of shit. You know how you avoid people calling you a piece of shit, Mike? Stop being a piece of shit. Well, I was going to say, say stop acting like a piece of shit, but you went more definitive with it. Yeah, I I don't. I He has to fight somebody we know, Mark, right? Like, I need to I need to see 10. I need 10 fights from whoever he's fighting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the circumstances around this fight. Potentially, maybe this was a late notice thing. That's the only thing that. Oh, I noticed this two months ago, Mark. This yeah, has been on the books for a while. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. I don't know. I mean, he, he lost to Doug, Douglas uh, Lima. You know, everyone's going to have some rough spots in their career. You're not going to win all of them, you know, but it doesn't mean that you kind of revert back to just being like, okay, we just need to have this guy just showcase his skills. That's all he's good for. I mean, if, if honestly, if I was Venom Page, I would feel undervalued. Like, why am I fighting this person? I am better than this. I deserve to be fighting people that have Wikipedia pages, to say the least. And he's fought in some of those people, and he's won a lot of them. There's no reason for him to be reverted back to these type of opponents. I don't know if this was a one-time thing or what have you, but yeah, he needs to be fighting, you know, the upperclassmen in Bellator. You know, I think he fits well into that, you know, and maybe he doesn't win every fight, but that doesn't mean that we have to build him all the way back up from ground zero. Like he's an O and O fighter fighting someone who's two and one. That's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. That was there's also something about, you know, punching down to your competition. And I realize it's an MMA podcast and, you know, punching down is supposed to be a figurative term, but you know, can actually no, it's do an that actual, it's sport. an actual thing, man. You're right. But you know, like if if you're 15 years old and you're playing like a 10 year old in basketball, you're not supposed to stunt and like whoop and holler if like if you block the shit out of their shot. And in this case, with your Michael Venom Page, you should be a guy who's two and one the way you beat him. Like you shouldn't be dancing about it. Like don't be proud of that. I mean, shit, if he didn't dance about it, maybe we wouldn't even know he fought him, though. The, I mean, the, his last... I, we, we, Mark and I went to the Fernando Gonzalez fight, and that was one of the most boring fucking fights I've ever been to in my life. He hasn't done great, again. And, and you know what? Maybe that's Bellator realizing like what they have here. It's like He hasn't looked great against the higher echelon guys. Like He's gotten a couple wins... But that fight was kind of a struggle. You know, it, it's hard to even say he won that fight. No one really won that fight. The Paul Daly fight, which we thought would be, you know, fireworks, has turned out to be a real dud. So maybe they're like, you know what? The only way we can really position this guy is we just need, look at Bobby, I got 30 seconds of highlights I need. And I know if I put him against two and one, I'm going to get a flying knee. And I'm going to have some new footage from my highlight reel. And maybe that's what they're banking on. I think that's. I don't think that's using him to his best of his ability. I think he has a lot more left in the tank. I think he just needs to be pushed. But, you know, hey, look, if I was a great, fantastic striker, I would love to stunt on two-and-one guys and look like Superman. But, you know, when the end of your career, when you're looking yourself in the mirror, it's like, did I really push myself? Did I really, you know, show everything I have? Did I accomplish all I mean, the things? I mean, 32 years old, Mark, we're in his athletic prime. Yeah, he's he, 32 he, years old. He's a 15 and one fighter. And it's up to Bellator and the brass to kind of make the right decisions and put him against, you know, look, if you still want to build the guy, you think he's a star, you can still put him against credible opponents that he's going to stylistically do well against without just being like, this guy literally has stepped inside of a cage three times. And one of those times he lost. It's just like you said before the show, Bobby, like in the States, I don't even know if this fight gets booked. 
um, with an actual athletic commission. I don't know what they're doing in Dublin. I don't know if they have a commission or if it's just whatever you want goes, but this was kind of a bad fight to begin with. And it ended the way we expected it to. So you got to give him some credit there. He didn't shit the bed completely and just lose a fight against some dude. He didn't have any, you know, reason to be in there with, but ultimately it was like, we didn't learn anything from this fight. We know he can throw flying knees and put guys away. That's what we saw here. We didn't learn anything about Venom today. Exactly. Um, the other big news, um, is that the Endeavor's IPO, uh, Endeavor being the parent company of the UFC, that IPO got pulled, um, cause quite frankly, they weren't getting the valuation they were, expe- they expected to get. Um, which, man, they, they got a, they're, they got a lot of debt. And it was, honestly, it was just embarrassing. They, it was an embarrassing, embarrassing moment for them. And maybe now that we got some time here, UFC fighters, somebody do something. Please, somebody do something. Well, Mark? I thought it was embarrassing because I think it was a couple days before. I think it was the week of, what's that guy's name? Ari, Ari. Ari Emanuel. Yeah, I, did you guys see? He had like some big speech where he's talking shit about like, oh, everyone better watch out because we know how to run this game. And once we're public, man, competition is not going to know what hit them. And he's like, oh, sorry, sorry, not ready yet, not ready yet. And it's like, dude, you just talked a mountain of shit. You just pulled out like this is not a good look. But but yeah, Bob, like you said, basically what I read was like they have a lot of debt. Their idea is that we're going. I mean, look, and the, the company's worth a lot. You know, they have the UFC. The UFC. Just got rights to show on ESPN. There's a lot of money floating around, but they have a lot of debt. And the idea was we go public, we get people on the ground floor, we're going to cover our debt, and we can continue going forward. And then, like you said, I guess the analysis was like, well, your company is very risky. Your biggest, you know, money maker is the UFC, and that stuff's only, you know, really blown up the charts when you got a huge star. And you don't always have a huge star. And we don't always have a way to bank that you're going to have another Conor McGregor once Conor hangs it up. And even there, you know, we're looking at Conor. Well, you know what it is also, man? The UFC wasn't even the biggest problem for them here, man. They got like, they spent $250 million buying a streaming, a company that handles streaming for like the NFL, NBA, and the UFC. They went and like, they got some weird lawsuit going with the Writers Guild of America. Yeah, I heard about that too. They got a whole situation here. And they thought we're all going to kiss their nuts because it's Hollywood and you can like, create a facade and it fucking didn't hold up. I thought they were going to get $33 a share and it was like 25. Right. So didn't work out for them. Maybe somebody does something. Maybe somebody says in their next fight contract, I'm going to need X number of shares. Just saying. Do you think that helps them go public? Though? I feel like it just puts them in more debt. Kind of. <laughs> just let them get buy-in, man. Um, Colby Covington and Kamara Usman got booked, Mike. Um, it is the third title fight added to UFC 245. So to be clear, these gentlemen both thought they were the shit. Instead of go, instead of being on on the Madison Square Garden card as what they thought would be the main event, which I don't buy, but let's say it was going to be, they are. God, I hope it's the third title fight. God, I hope it's the lowest title fight on the card. That would make me laugh so hard. But yeah, there are three title fights on that card. Uh, Max Holloway against Al- Alex Volkanovsky, Amanda Nunes versus Jermaine Durandamy, and now uh, Kamara Usman versus Kobe uh, Covington. Mike, quite frankly, I'd make the argument it should be the bottom title fight of those three. I would agree with that. That one should be the third title fight. And also, since you brought up the New York card, three title fights, 
And I think it probably does a third of the pay-per-view buys that Diaz Masvidal does. That's actually a decent guess, to be honest. Um, yeah, three title fights. Uh, that's gonna be a, that could be a long card. We're gonna Listeners, need. A- I gotta tell you right now. I don't care what he says in the future. Bobby's got Colby Covington in that fight. Mm, I might. Just because he hates him doesn't <laughs> no, mean um, he, he won't take Honestly, I, I, I might have him, Steph, because... Oh, Bobby loves... Did you, you say you hate, Mike? I don't I don't think you understand the superlative it's, that Bobby feels towards this man. Stefan's got, like, one joke, and he's just going to bust it out. Uh, we got Kamaru Usman getting tired in fights. Marcus Colby Covington doesn't get tired, ever. Yeah, I mean, stylistically, it's... On paper, it's not a barn burner, right? I mean, you, you're you coming off a pay-per-view where it's like, oh, these are two of the most gangster fighters that are probably going to have, like, the most gangster fun fight. And then you juxtaposition that with, like, these two guys are really good at wrestling. And uh, one of them can hit kind of hard. I guess Usman has, you know, decent power. And then Covington is just, like, he's a stamina machine. And I think that could play into his hand. But it, I've said for a while that I f- still feel this fight is compelling. I don't think it's going to be super exciting, but I think stylistically they match up interestingly. You know, like they're both really strong wrestlers. So when you just go on to like, oh, if they're just going to strike with each other, it's like Covington really impressed me with that Robbie fight and the pressure he put on. And is Usman, you know, how is he going to take that pressure? Is he going to be able to have the footwork to get away from that? Is he going to be able to utilize that to his advantage with his wrestling? There's a lot of questions that need to be answered. That fight. I still feel is interesting to me. And I think a lot of it personally for me is uh, Covington. I don't like the guy, but I don't have like the hatred where it's like, I don't want to see him in any fight. I don't want to see him compete. Uh, the first time I really got a good look at him and really was able to assess his skills was that Robbie fight. And I was really fucking impressed. Like, he's, I don't like- <laughs> he's the uh, slight underdog, Mark. Sorry, we'll go ahead. Okay, yeah, no, I mean, but ultimately it's just like I was really impressed with that fight. And, you know, while I don't like his antics or especially his politics, you know, really grind me into, like I said, if those fucking Trump kids are there just having a good time, it makes me ill and upset. I don't like seeing fucking, what's the one with the slick back hair that shoots the animals? They all have. They all have they a all slick do back that. hair. They, they all do that. that. Uh, I don't Don Jr. The one that isn't fugly. Right? There's like Don Jr. Like, he just looks weird and ugly. And blonde like, blonde or brunette? Which one? Uh, brunette. That's Don Jr. Don Jr. Don Jr. Okay. Well, I think he's a handsome guy, but I don't like him being happy <laughs> at all. And him being associated with Covington, and he's actually fucking a decent fighter. But yeah, that being said, I've always been kind of interested in this fight, and I think... The lead up to it, I'm not going to be getting behind Covington. Or I mean, I, you know what? I like Usman. He, I didn't have much of an opinion of him until he won that belt. And just being so proud to kind of represent his country um, and kind of, you know, him and um, uh, Adesanya both becoming champions and kind of representing, I thought that was really cool. And, and their kind of friendship together, I think, is really interesting and compelling. So th- there's some things that I find interesting about this fight. Um, but the smack talk coming from Covington is not going to be one. well. Look, look, we're look, not going to. Let's remember something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Usman, very proud of his country. But you know what we need? We need another American champion. All right. So that's why we need Colby Covington. So I, think Amer- I think Usman's. I think Usman's an American. 
I think Usman's an American citizen too. Um, I, think, I think he comes in under uh, Nigeria, though. So, Mike's, yeah. Mike's saying that he wants someone that Donald Mike Trump is... won't tell him to go back home. There aren't yeah. enough American champions for Mike. By the Mike, way, Mike is saying only white people are citizens. Bobby, read between the lines. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, please stop polluting my great country over here. I'm trying to have a good time. Um, just putting that out there. Amanda Nunez is only minus two seventy over Jermaine Durandamy. Um, so if you'd like to parlay Max Holloway and Amanda Nunez, you can get plus one eleven. And Mike, at some point when I visit in November, we have to go to a casino in New Jersey so I can make make this bet because <laughs> that that seems like a move. Yeah, that's um, what you bet. No, yeah, I would just avoid the Usman Covington fight though. That one's that'll mess up your parlay. Um, all right, um, let's pick some fights. UFC two forty three. A fight card that they might have to cancel if this main event doesn't happen. Um, Robert Whitaker, the reigning defending UFC middleweight champion of the world, fighting out of the fighting out of Sydney, I think. I could be wrong. Um, uh, taking on Israel Adesanya, the style bender. Um, two of my favorite fighters, quite frankly. Um, not just because of their fighting, but because of how they, how they carry themselves. Um, outside the cage. Both seem like stand-up dudes. Even shit-talking Izzy Adesanya. Seems like a good guy. Um, Izzy Adesanya fights out of New Zealand. Robert Whitaker from Australia fights born in New Zealand. Um, anyway, so um, the betting line for this fight is close as hell. Um, we got Izzy Adesanya and Bobby Knuckles both being minus 110. Straight-up coin flip. Couple places you can look. Maybe one of them's got slightly different odds, but this is basically an even fight. Izzy Adesanya, last time we saw him fight, um, I believe was when he won the middleweight championship in just one of the best middleweight title fights you'll see. Him and Kelvin Gastelum back at, uh, back in April, UFC 236. Bobby Knuckles. We have not seen Bobby Knuckles fight in quite some time, actually. We haven't seen him fight since last June where he fought Yoel Romero and took some of the hardest goddamn punches anybody's ever seen. Um, Stefan, what do you got for this one, brother? Um, I think I'm going to make it interesting off the start because I kind of thought uh, people might be leaning a certain direction, and it hurts me to do it because he's absolutely one of my favorite fighters to watch in all of MMA. Uh, but I'm taking Adesanya. Um, the Romero fight makes me nervous about Robert Whitaker. He's a man who's very injury-prone, and I have no idea how he came out of that fight in one piece. Uh, but that is a career-altering amount of damage that he sustained against a very hard-hitting man. Um, I'm channeling Rory McDonald in my head, um, a guy who just took a wealth of damage, and he wasn't quite the same fighter thereafter. Maybe Robert is fine. Maybe he knocks out Adesanya really fast. But um, he's a very injury-prone man, so his body is is a little... Uh, it's It's... A lot of wear goes on that thing, and um, Adesanya, I've not seen him cleanly hit yet. You know, I, I saw him get pushed, but, like, even Gastelum's best hits, they weren't that clean. Um, he, he was caught off balance a couple times, but I've never seen him, like, truly rock. He showed a lot of heart in that uh, Gastelum fight where he turned it up at the end to get the finish, and, like, that's something you want out of champions, right? They don't coast to a decision. They don't, they don't fight for points. They're like... I'm going to make a statement and he made a goddamn statement. So um, yeah. And undefeated is beautiful. So an 18 and 0 champion, that, that would be a star. Um, I agree with uh, a lot of what you said, Steph. I'm actually going the other way 
And I got a lot of your same reasoning because I saw the Yoel Romero fight and I'm like, well, Izzy doesn't hit that hard, right? And he survived that. So um, assuming he doesn't have permanent damage, I didn't expect that turn, to be honest. Um, I'm going Bobby Knuckles. They both showed, you know, Steph, in both of their last two fights, both of their last fights, they both had to dig deep. Serious, serious, you know, digging deep, showing they're really just both champions, to be honest. Um, I guess technically they both are right now. I'm going Bobby Knuckles because I think he's just, man, this guy's seen some shit. Like, he's seen some guys that he's came out the other end. He's still young. He's taken a lot of damage, but he's only had 24 fights. He's just seems like he's just damn impossible to beat these days. This is a, this one's going to hurt. I don't want either one of them to lose, to be honest. Um, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, this is a really good. It's, it's not as total high level as a potential Habib Ferguson, just because neither of them totally have the grappling chops. But in terms of stand up, this is an incredibly high level. I, I, I think this is absolutely the two best fighters in the division fighting each other right now, personally. So I think that this is a great title fight. I got Bobby Knuckles, though. I think this is going to be awesome, though. I think this is going to take a while, and I think it's going to be a really good fight, and I hope it is um, as, you know, I hope for the crowd that they get what they paid for, and these guys go out there and show really the growth of um, mixed martial arts in New Zealand and Australia to have. This is, a big, this is the biggest fight in Australian combat sports history is my understanding. Having, you know, someone from Australia defending the world championship against somebody from New Zealand it means something, and they do it in a stadium, and it's great. And I just think it's going to be a great fight. But I got Bobby Knuckles. Mark, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm also uh, leaning with with Bobby or, or Robert Whitaker in this one. And I, you guys raised a bunch of good points. My big takeaways here are that one, I I think I just mostly been more impressed with Robert Whitaker's uh, rise to championship level because this is a guy we, we, we've gotten a lot of looks at him right he's been in the UFC for a long time and for a long time I thought this guy was a journeyman at best you know he just it took a lot for him to break out of that mold for me it took a lot of wins and then it took serious wins against serious competition and that's what his last three fights were he beat Romero twice in decisions five rounds two really tough fights he also beat Jacare and those were big names at the time. And um, not take anything away from um, Israel because, again, undefeated. Can't take that away. The guy's never been defeated before in his entire career. That's quite a feat. And he has some good names, but it hasn't quite been the two years of just grinder. That That is being a champion, right? When you're champion, you're going against the top of the division. And that's what Whitaker has been able to do for a while. I mean, injuries aside, he hasn't been, you know, the most active champion in the world. Um, that being said... I also, the, my big takeaway, one of the things I really noted when um, Israel and um, Kevin Gastelum fight was just how easy Kevin got in the pocket in those first couple rounds. Israel did not have a defense for that. There was no jab keeping him on the outside. There was not a lot of kicks from the outside to keeping him from coming in. And why I like this for Robert Whitaker is Robert doesn't need to get super into the pocket. Like I was talking about before at the Roundtree fight, how Robert throws is so impressive because he uses his full range of his arms to throw wide looping punches that uh, with another fighter who wasn't nearly as skilled just looks like flailing. It looks like he's kind of just flailing around, but he knows the distance and how much he needs to extend himself to be able to hit his opponents. And when I look at Israel and I look at how easy Kevin was able to just basically walk into the pocket, throw a lead uppercut right straight off of it, it was just like, Man, this dude's just letting him come in and throw punches. You know, eventually Israel became more offensive. He was able to stop that. 
in the fight and win the fight, like Steph said, coming into the later rounds, which he gives a bunch of credit there. But I just think those first couple of rounds, if he hasn't fixed that in this fight, if he's letting Robert basically not even step into the pocket, just dip in a little bit and throw those big punches, he's going to be on his back foot. He's going to have to start trying to counter punch. And, you know, maybe he can catch Robert there. But I've really been impressed with Robert. He's made leaps and bounds. And like I said, he went from journeyman to one of the best fighters pound for pound that I've seen. Israel has always been kind of that guy's like, we knew something special with this dude. He has the athleticism. He has the build to do fantastic things. He has the skills to accomplish those tasks. But he's always been, we've always seen him as, this is the next Anderson Silva. We've had high expectations. And he's, he's been able to meet those, which is incredibly hard as well. But Robert's like, this, this guy's not going to become anything. And he worked his fucking way up. He busted heads. He got the scalps to get his way up here. And, uh, you know, that, that takes a lot of pulling yourself on the bootstraps and really getting it done. This is a great fight, you know, and I think it is tough to to pick a winner. And I'm glad Steph picked um, Israel because it would be a shame for us all to pick Whitaker because that's not a, the complexion of this fight. This is a lot closer of a fight to have us all on one side just because we're more comfortable with this guy. You know, he's the champion. That's a lot of stuff that I always base off of. But I'm glad we have a mix here because that's more indicative of how this fight's going to be. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, these are definitely the arguably two of the greatest fighters from the Oceania region. Um, Steph isn't going to be alone. I am going to be picking Stylebender as well um, like for it. two reasons that you guys touched on. Um, I don't think there's going to be much grappling in this fight. So I think if it's a contest to stand up, I think I'm going to get Stylebender the edge there. And something that you touched on, Mark, that in his last fight, yeah, Stylebender did get touched up by Gastelum a good amount in the first few rounds where Gastelum was able to wade in. But one thing that we've seen from Stylebender in every fight he's been in in the UFC, if there's been a slight shortcoming that he's displayed in a particular fight, he normally comes into the next fight and you don't see that as much or he's shorted up a good amount. And with Whitaker, at least when it comes to that type of strength that Gaslam had um, being very similar, I think that that's going to be one of the areas that he's worked on a lot. So you might not see that happen in this fight. So with that in mind, I still think this is going to be a very close fight. But I don't know. I, I feel that Stylebender will be the one that will be able to pull it out in a stand-up matchup. You know what's crazy? I just looked up Israel's age because, like, this guy's young, and I looked up. I was like, "Man, no, he's, he's old. He's thirty. Yeah, he's oh, not that. Right. He's well, he had a long, he had a long kickboxing career, man. But he's thirty, and I was like, oh, dude's right in his prime.' I was like, yeah, Whitaker's kind of old. <laughs> Look at him; he's twenty-eight fucking years old. I was like, God damn, this, it, this might happen a few times, Mark. <laughs> and this, and this is why the fight's so good, right? You, you, we don't always often get not only like high caliber athletes that have just transitioned so well into MMA. Like these dudes are in their prime. Like, and that's something that we don't always get right. Sometimes a fighter will just dominate a division for so long, like Anderson until like the wheels start falling off. They're not in their prime anymore to have two guys as talented as this in their prime. You know, what a treat. I mean, I'm just looking at the middleweight rankings. We've really had a good turnover to this new generation. Just real quick. We got Bobby Knuckles, Idiot Asanya, Paulo Costa, Yoel, while old, has only been around for like he four seems, years. He seems yeah. to know. How um, is Yoel supposedly? I mean, they say 40-something. He's He could be any age. Um, Kelvin Gastelum, Jack Hermanson, uh, Jacare and Wyman in here. They're Cannoneer. 
who just won here. Derek Brunson's in there. Ian Heinish is in there. We got some guys, man. Carlos Jr. and Uriah Hall just fought. Not saying He's they're going to win champions. Yeah, but we got some, we, we, we got a – this division, which ran as a silver for a while, held it. There was Jet Generation, which maybe wasn't that deep. Then it was the era with Weidman and Rockhold and Machida. And, like, that was a little shorter. But we got a young group in this one. It's the kind of thing we want from light heavyweight. It's just not happening yet. Um, That's the thing is middleweight became good because as, like, dieting and, like, we became more aware of body health. All those light would be light heavyweights a decade ago. They're all the middleweights now. Yep. You know what is what is about light heavyweight too, Steph? I think I just look at it and think, man, none of these guys are beating John Jones. <laughs> I like, that's the problem. I need if John Jones ceases to exist, the rest of the weight class, you're like, oh, we got some competitive shit going on here. But then again, then again, none of us gave Tiago Santos a shot in hell, and yeah. who knew that was John Jones' like toughest fight of his career? Um. All right. Uh, co-main event to this one. Um, Ally Kinta and Dan Hooker. This is just going to be really good. These guys match up really well stylistically. Al's an excellent striker and a good grappler. Fucking so... Hooker on his feet is excellent. Just put down James Vick back in July. Um, He bounced back from a loss to Edson Barbosa. Overall, he's 5-1 and in his last six since being... since returning to lightweight. Um, 29 years old from New Zealand. This is another guy in his prime, Marcus. Um, Ally Quinta. I'm, I was telling Steph earlier today, I'm just a big Ally Quinta mark. For a guy who seemed just like a, kind of a shitty, like, not say a bad person, but he just seemed like a guy you don't want to associate with Stefan. Like, he would just, just, yeah, maybe shitty person is the word. He's your typical Al. Poor Al will never live down the, oh, you go booby? Few. No, that was the best thing he did. <laughs> yeah, that was no, but, actually my favorite thing about him. No, but like in general, the guy turned up, ended up being like he got it about how much they're getting exploited by the company quicker than I think anybody else has in terms of number of fights. And in that, and since, and he's a honestly, he's an elite lightweight. Um, if your losses are to Khabib and Donald Cerrone, you could do far worse. He's a slight underdog in this one um, at plus one forty. Um, to uh, Dan Hooker's minus 160. Some of that's got to be Dan Hooker fighting at home. You know, you get like, it's like in football where you get three points for being the home team. It's probably helping him a little bit there. Um, I'm going, I'm, I'm a big ally, Kunta guy. I think he's had more high profile fights, and this is a lot of pressure on Dan Hooker. Not saying he's not going to rise to it. I'm honestly just giving you reasons beyond I like Ally Quinta and I really want him to win this fight. Dan Hooker is good too. Very good, 29 years old. Raging Al, 32 years old, right in that, uh, right in that, uh, prime of his career, too. I like this card in terms of the, you got the youth. Just saying. Um, I got Raging Al, though. Mike, what do you got? Yeah, I'm actually going with Raging Al as well. Um, I think that, like, as you mentioned before, um, when in your last few years, your only losses are to Khabib, who's, arguably the the best lightweight out at the moment or over the last few years and and Donald Cerrone, which that isn't anything to sneeze at when that's all you have in the loss column that makes you top three top four lightweight um in the in the UFC for the last few years um with that in mind I think that I consider stand is really good he could get Dan Hooker down um I don't think it really matters that he's fighting on uh 
enemy territory in this case. He'll be able to silence the crowd. Akinsa has that type of mindset. Yeah, um, just two complete fighters here. Stefan, what do you got? I'm um, taking Dan Hooker. Um, we were talking earlier. I think uh, in my head, I was uh, I was kind of a lean on Al. But uh, when I recalled his last loss was to Donald Cerrone, uh, Hooker presents a lot of the same problems. That's very long. He's um, a very long guy. Yeah, he's he's a six foot tall, uh, lightweight. Um, he's got great kicks. He he uses his distance well. Um, if you come inside, he's got really good elbows. Uh, so he he can punish um, Al standing. You know, um, Al's got more losses than that. They're a little further back in his career than just those two guys. But um, when you look at Al's recent years, he's been very inactive over the last four years. I think he only had he's averaging one fight per year. He didn't fight in 2016 at all one fight in 2017 um i know there were there were holdout issues but inactive is inactive right um meanwhile yep. hooker he has a lot more losses on his column but when you look at the last couple years um the edson barboza fight aside he, he's really been putting it together um and he's been winning impressively he's been like finishing almost all of his fights so um yeah <laughs> he's one of those guys who inspired it's like new zealand is the one that's producing the good fighters not necessarily australia the australia fighters are a bit more wishy-washy but uh hooker is kind of on the front line with these new Man, zealand guys and this this home crowd is going to mean something this is a stadium this is this is energy um australians are fucking crazy if you ever party with <laughs> australians they are fucking crazy so uh, i like that yeah for them. that's uh this could be a really good night um, for the home crowd. We'll see how it plays out. Mark, what do you think of this one, though? Uh, yeah, we're, we're taking the split on this. Uh, I'm also going with Dan Hooker. Uh, and, and I don't have a great reason. I'm looking through the record, and I'm wishing I saw more wrestlers on here to really solidify, like, okay, this guy can... He knows how to fight with that pressure. He knows how Well, to he's stop. an excellent grappler, too. He's got a lot of subs. Yeah, but I just don't see... A, I mean, I see Gilbert Burns here. I'm like, okay, that, guy, that dude knows how to grapple, too, but it's a quick knockout. So I, I'm not getting the stuff I want to see from his record to really feel confident it's mostly it's like the opposite of Bobby's pick, just because like, I kind of don't like the guy, and it's mostly not even his fault. I really don't like it's it's Matt Sarah. I don't like this narrative they're trying to create. After Habib crushes more guys, they're like, "Man, isn't Alaquinta so tough? He didn't get finished by uh, Habib." I was like, "Yeah, but Habib boxed the shit out of him for three rounds, and dude, stand up's garbage. Like, don't don't try to like paint this shit like it's something else that it's not." And that always kind of like this has always run me the wrong way. It's like, like, you lost, dude. Like, you can't, don't don't try to take these moral victories. Like, well, I went the dis. Like, dude just boxed you for three rounds and dude's hands are garbage. Like, don't come at me like you should be all high and but, smug. And that's not even Mark, on. Mark, the reason why he had to box him was because Ala LaQuinza was able to stop the takedown. I just want to say well, that my narrative is that, like, Habib was like, I don't need to wrestle this dude. He's fucking garbage standing up. I'll just jab his face all night. That's what he did. It was like the, the path of least resistance. Like, why do I need to shoot every time I jab this dude's face? He just eats it. So I'm just going to keep feeding this fucker jabs for three rounds. Easy victory. That's my that's, that was my viewpoint on it. But really, I mean, ultimately, I'm joking aside. Five rounds. I, I think I think Al Alquinta is a really good fighter. I think stylistically, he could match up really well if he's able to utilize his um, his grappling and get Dan, I mean, not even consistently on the mat, just get him wrestling, get him up against the cage and wear him down. I think Al could then maybe find some hands later on and really put some stuff together. Um, I'm going with with Dan Hooker uh, just because I think stylistically, if he can negate the takedowns and they do have to stand, I think the range is going to help him a lot. I think he has some some avenues to victory. And I do think, you know, 
being the hometown is going to give him a little bit of a boost. I think it's a super close fight, and it, it is a shitty thing on my part to be like, oh, because Matt Sarah says this shit on your behalf, like, I'm not going to pick you. But it does just rub me the wrong way. And I, just like, I, I, <laughs> I just want to say that Matt Sarah is the nicest MMA fighter I've ever met. And despite him blocking us on Twitter, because I said a lot of stuff about their podcast. I mean, look, I think you know, you're I, running a state run podcast. Yeah, I, mean, I got to say some stuff. That, that joke's too good not to blast out because that's just what it is. <laughs> and look, and I like Matt Sarah too. It's just, I, I mean, look at their New Jersey guys. They have a very brash kind of personality that, 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 that it's just going to rub certain people the wrong way. I've never been a big Jersey shore fan. I don't like that kind of attitude. And I don't like the attitude. It was like, my, my my boy got marked up for five rounds, but that's a win. It's like, no, dude, you've lost a fight. Like, don't Mark tell Mark out here calling people from New York, New Jerseyans. Mike, yeah, that's, a, that's yeah, some offensive I'll, shit. I'll, I was going to – Poor, was poor gonna, Matt. Uh, poor Matt Sarah's taking losses left and right in this conversation. I was going to uh, jump in, Mark, and auto. defend the people of New Jersey and see, say yeah, he's from Long is, Island. What it is – what it, oh, Long Island. Sorry, like Long Island, New Jersey, that, that bravado. I don't even think of New York. I don't see them as New, – because New Yorks are just – they can be brash, but it's in a different way. They Mark, have like the Mark. Head. Let's let's make one thing straight. He's from Long Island. Okay, let's move on. Not New um, York. We're moving Long on. Ty Tuivasa, Sergey Spivak. Ty Tuivasa is a big ass favorite. Steph, big big favorite. Yeah, and I'm, gonna I'm, g- I'm mad that we're picking this fight. Because well, no. About to well, I'm gonna give you all the reasons you need right now not to pick him. This uh, Sergey guy. Oh, I closed the page. Never mind. I was gonna tell you facts about Sergey. I got, I got my facts, Bobby. I got my. He's Sergey, the polar bear Spivak. He's twenty-four years old. He's nine and one. His only loss was his UFC debut, where Walt Harris beat that ass in fifty seconds. So, I mean, knowing that information, do you have a reason to pick? I have information. Why are you giving more information? Why are you, why are you encroaching? I'm the one making the stupid choice. Why you gotta lead me, Bobby? Go for it. I don't want to pick this fight because I don't. I knew I wasn't going to pick Tai Tuivasa because I don't think Tai Tuivasa is any good. I think Tai Tuivasa is incredibly exposed. I think that if you survive his first minute, the dude has no energy. But that's the fucking problem with Spivak is that he lost in the first minute. <laughs> so he's susceptible hey. to the early flurry, which is all Tai Tuivasa has. Steph, if you want some extra information on Spivak, he's called the polar bear, and he also has a polar bear tattooed on his chest. That well, I help? Does that help, Stefan? Well, I mean, that's good. Uh, we, the polar bear is a very cute animal. Is polar bear drinking Coca-Cola? Because that would make me like him even more. I'm taking the fucking plus 310 underdog here because I think the guy in his home country sucks. Not for nothing. Steph could make up some great... Like, he could take the lead if uh, this goes uh, well for him on Saturday. <laughs> that means if he doesn't go well for him, he could very much be the opposite of the lead, too. Um, yeah, I got I got Ty Tuivasa because, honestly, he's lost two in a row, and I think this is a setup for him to win. Mark, what do you think? I'm picking Ty, too, because I just don't know enough about this other guy to be confident. So I'll say one more thing in uh, Spivik's defense. He is, not, <laughs> he is not a fat heavyweight. And I'm like, all right, he's an in-shape man. At least I'm picking an in Who was that guy who I picked, and I'd never seen him, and then I saw him, and I was so offended by how like frail of a physique he had? Do you remember who I'm talking about? Yeah, fuck, who like, was I that? I was angry with how frail. You were texting me about, was. like, you're like, how'd you let me pick him? I'm like, I don't want to. How is this my fault? <laughs> I was like, I demand uh, a retribution of that. At least I found an in-shape heavyweight, so that's all I got. 
Uh, I will say I, I looked up pictures of Spivak and I'm like, uh, this guy's uh this guy looks a little soft. And then I re-looked the pictures of Tuivasa. I'm like, holy shit. Look, first of all, we're not gonna fat shame Tuivasa. Second of all, if we're basing it on share dog picture pictures, Tuivasa looks more in shape in his share dog picture than he does in actual life. So I'm wondering about what we're gonna see from Spivak come cage time. You got Toy Voss also, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who the hell Spivak is. It's the guy that's going to lead stuff onto the promised land. That's who it is. Um, I'm assuming Bellator is not, uh, not running a show. Oh, fuck me. Uh, they they are. are. They are. Um, Koreshkov versus Larkin. That's a good fight. Actually, a very packed weekend when it comes that's to a, MMA because Invicta has a card on Friday as well. Straight up, Marcus, that's a good fight. That's a really good stand-up fight, Koreshkov yeah. and Lorenz Larkin. Is that what is the fourth Saturday or Friday? The fourth is Friday. Okay. Maybe I'll use the zone that we're all paying for, except for Stefan. Give Stefan credit on that one. The rest of us shouldn't have paid for it. Joe Schilling's on there against Tony Johnson. Uh Mrs. Melendez, Carrie Ann Melendez on the card too. Sadawad. This isn't bad. It's not bad at all. Mark said uh, prime content away on youtube what are you guys doing yeah they got a guy on the uh prelims the guy that uh demi lovato left luke rockhold for that bomba guy guillerme bomba that's your celebrity gossip portion of it's M amazing radio um i don't think we got much else mma wise it's already been a fucking hour actually what am i thinking what am i saying like this is going short you guys want to do stuff we like sure let's do it yeah um mike why don't you lead us off Ooh, I've got nothing. <laughs> Let's do it. I got nothing. This nothing. <laughs> I, I, I normally don't go first, so I was really trying to think. What do did I you, like? Did this you week? did you and go to the movies? Right now. Oh yeah, that movie wasn't good. <laughs> what would you see? <laughs> what would you see? Yeah, Ad Astra, the the Brad Pitt uh, space movie. Oh, okay. Well, well you can tell us how it's not good, Mike. It's well, called stuff we like, not um, stuff that I don't like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's stuff that I, I, if it's stuff I think is lukewarm, sure, I could say at Astra. But um, I do like all of you, so I would recommend to not go see Ad Astra. Uh, it's a movie that's supposedly getting Oscar buzz for Brad Pitt. Uh, that must be coming from Brad Pitt's camp because I don't see anyone who's not related to the Pitts uh, saying that. Um, about that movie. So, save your money. Don't go see Ad Astra. See Joker this weekend. Don't see Joker this weekend. Maybe wait a week or two. Just putting that out there. That's advice from the U.S. Army. Yeah, I'm just saying. As much as I want to see that movie, I'm I'm gonna give it a week. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a week at least. Um, I saw the season premiere. The Good Place is back. The fourth. I think, and final season just debuted. Um, I like the show. I'm not as crazy for it as a lot of people are. It's really complicated at this point. Four seasons, three three seasons and change in. Just the general premise is that these people wake up in the good place, the good place representing your idea like of what heaven would be. But then all sorts of shit happens. And uh, it's the creators of Parks and Rec. It's a good show. Um, check it out. I watched it at first because it had Ted Danson. And I like Parks and Rec. But I really like Ted Danson, man. Ted Danson does does good sitcom work. 
Sam Malone, man. It's from Cheers. Check it out, though. Good place. It's on Netflix, the first three seasons, if you want to dip your toe in the water. The Good Place. Is that the one with uh, Veronica Mars? It is. It's got okay. uh, Kristen Bell, got Ted Danson, got uh, the other people are not terribly famous, I don't think. Um, the guy who plays uh, Captain Holt's uh, husband is in the show a lot. His name is Kevin on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's one of those actors you've seen a bunch of shit. You know, um, but it's got, it's like the Parks and Rec people. So you see some good cameos, you know, you get uh, Jason Manzukis in there, eventually shows up. Good people are in the show. Check it out. Um, Stefan, what do you got this week? I am not a Manzukis guy. That kind of uh, turned me off of uh, this recommendation. Oh, I'm a, I'm a big Manzukis guy. Mostly because um, of the podcast. Go ahead. I, I mean, yeah, I, I've heard him toned down. It's just when he's on, he has one character, and I don't like that one character he does. But I've I've heard him like speak candidly, and I'm like, if you were more like this, I could probably like get on your back. Um, this week, what did I say? Um, oh, Overwatch League uh, had its grand finals of season two. San Francisco Shock took it home. Uh, a local team was happy about that. Um, they also had the reigning uh, MVP uh, kid, whose handle is Sinatra. He made waves when Overwatch League first launched because uh, he was signed to a 160k contract, and people were like, "Oh, you can make six figures for playing video games." Yes, you can. Um, so hats off to the San Francisco. You, you enjoyed that. You enjoyed that with our good friend Eddie, of course, right? Uh, no, because um, Eddie's the kind of friend who makes plans with you until anything else comes up at all, in which case he bails on you the day of. Um, and that's called the Eddie special. Uh, sounds, sounds like a pretty <laughs> shitty friend. Uh, you know, he's one of those things. He's grandfathered in, Mike. Um, can't get rid of him now. Uh, <laughs> he, he got tenure. He's, he's got, got tenure. tenure. <laughs> the union is strong. <laughs> Stefan can't dump him. <laughs> uh, this, that, that, that collective bargaining agreement is set for at least another 10 years. <laughs> um. That says, well, uh, half off to them. Yeah, what else happened? Um, oh, I started a new anime series. I asked Mike earlier if he had mentioned it um, specifically, but I had been getting it recommended from like all avenues of my life that pay attention to anime whatsoever. Um, but it's a series called Demon Slayer. Um, seems like it's in the vein of the shonen like type anime. Um, we got a clear protagonist here. Um, they they uh, introduce really early. He has an incredibly keen sense of smell. So I wonder if we're going to take that superpower ability of his. But um, the animation is awesome. Um, and that's something I'd heard about it is that the battle sequences are some of like the most visually stunning and like, you know, exciting you'll see in a series. Um, if you can imagine kind of samurai versus demons, that's kind of my like childhood Japanese lore nerd fantasy. Um, I, like, you know, when I talk to Mark about video games, like Ghost of Tsushima is one of my most looking forward to games because I love samurai-esque, you know, type things. So um, I'm only one episode in, but I mean, the premise that they hit you up with early, they kind of let you know it's going to be a very brutal series. Um, so I, I'm in it, though. Like I said, you know, among friends I have who watch anime, um, whose opinions I trust, it's come very highly reputable. Probably the most I've heard about an anime series since My Hero Academia. And um, if you you know pay attention to us at all, you know how much I love that one. So um, I'm on board for the ride. Right on. Um, Marcus, what do you got this week? Yeah, not a ton. Um, 
honestly, October for video games isn't quite as stacked as September was, which is all right because there's there's been just so much st- games. Just kind of have a little break here. So not a lot this week. Um, although there is the first pack of DLC for um, Marvel Ultimate Alliance three came out today, um, which I've been working through trying to get that Punisher and Blade and Moon Knight and to a lesser extent Morbius, who I'm really not all that interested in. Uh, but that's been cool. I did, uh, before we started the podcast, I saw a little news story that I was like, oh, that's that's an interesting take that I should, probably should have seen coming. But the um, CEO of Sony Computer Entertainment America, uh, Sean Layden, has stepped down today, which is kind of a sad thing to see. But why I say I should have seen it coming, this seems to be what the CEOs do right before a new generation starts. Um, Jack Trenton, who was the CEO before, um, he stepped down right before the PlayStation 4 launched, um, and now that we're on the cusp of the PS5, maybe this is like a good place to step down from this position. But um, Sean Layton did good stuff. You know, he was the uh, the main guy over at the European branch, and then back in 2014, I think he became the CEO. And I mean, he's been running uh, the PS4 brand basically, which has just been you know stellar. It's been one of Sony's best um, PlayStation selling consoles outside of the PlayStation 2, which was just kind of crazy. But um, yeah, he did a lot of good stuff. A lot of great titles have been released under his tenure, so you have to take your hat off there. Um, And hopefully whoever replaces him will just keep the ship going because they're in a good spot right now. Uh, The only other thing I guess I wanted to mention was because Stefan started bringing up anime and just reminding me that I got those sweet uh, Hajime no Ippo shirts from Uniqlo and I want to give them a shout out because I was talking to Steph about it. And they have, they've kind of started this whole new line of graphic tees, which we're kind of dealing all in nerd culture stuff. I think we probably mentioned them before. Um, and not only do I just like the the brand, the quality, and the price, um, as a Hajime no Ippo fan, not a lot of merch out there, especially in the state side. So to get really bomb ass t shirts, it's kind of been a dream come true that I didn't really know. Honestly, you know, like we talked about a few weeks ago, I go to cons every now and then, and goddamn, if I ever saw any Epo thing, that's an instant buy. But it does not have a lot of love, and which is really weird because a lot of these shonen mangas that turn into animes have gotten you know a lot of kind of mainstay in pop culture here in the states. And Hajime no Epo was just one that never really got the stage. It was never on Toonami, which I thought it would have killed. Never came to Netflix, which I thought. I always thought if it got the opportunity to get in front of people's eyes and people gave it a chance, they would really fall in love with it because even outside of it being about boxing, I think it is just a great anime on its base. Take away all the things that they taught me about boxing and taught me about combat sports and made me better at analyzing combat sports. Um, but just to get some of the merch and be able to, to rep it and just show my love for it is really cool. And I'm glad that they uh, they gave it the light it deserved because not all people know this. You know, Hajime no Ippo started in 89 and that shit's still going on today. That dude's still writing the manga. It's the only thing he's ever written or produced. So it's been three years and no one gives a shit, really. You know, I mean, it has its hardcore fan base. There is a a stingen of fans that that know about Hajime no Ippo and the people that, that watch it love it. Um, but it just really hasn't broke. Like, I mean, and obviously it doesn't have the the volume that Naruto and One Piece have. You know, it doesn't have that many volumes to it, but it's been around forever. It's been a mainstay for a long time, and it's just a, an awesome anime. So I'm really glad that um, Uniglow has come out with this awesome line of shirts for video games and comics and anime, and I'm glad that when they're looking at the Shonen stuff, they're like, Hajime no Ippo is fucking tight. We need to make some shirts about this. It needs to get some rep, and um, I gladly bought it up. So yeah, good, now, good on them. Now, now Mark, um, not to, I mean, you know, it, it has almost like 1300 chapters and 
a hundred, like over a hundred volumes. That's how, a how much does One Piece have though? Because I think he's slowed down. Uh, I don't know, but definitely One, one Piece is absurd. Than... One yeah, One yeah. Piece is like it stands alone in terms of shit. That I mean, I don't know up. how much. I mean, I know it has a lot of volumes, but I just assumed that Naruto's and DBZ's with the offshoots of Z and GT and Baruto, just like it just pales in comparison because i do know just, when i looked at it just it's like so you know for um comparison one piece has 93 volumes uh hajime no Ippo has 125 well where's the love then man where's the love and why am i not getting more anime episodes because the anime is not even like halfway through the manga is and i need to see some of them fights in action so i mean i just i, I love the series and, and mike yeah maybe maybe it's it's really big in japan I just don't see a lot of love stateside. Like I said, I, I'm looking on Artist Alley, just like, man, you you could throw a, a you know your hat around the room and you're gonna hit Naruto and DBZ and One Piece shit all over the place. I never seen a pair of gloves, my man. I haven't seen shit for Ippo, and it's really good. And I think it deserves the credit. So I mean, yeah, if you if you don't know about it, check it out. I think the newer shits on Crunchyroll, which sucks because I don't even think they have the old original 75 episodes or whatever. I don't know how you get that shit because I think their distributor made a bunch of DVDs. They didn't even get all the way through their first season, which was like 75 episodes, which was insane. I, it's like, I don't know, know how you see it. You I, know think what's funny, be, Mark? I think you can find it on YouTube. Um, okay, you and, and where I found it was on a random hard drive, Mark, because apparently you downloaded the original shit when you lived yeah, with me because I, I, I have it on a hard drive. I told you, dude, you need to see all 70 episodes of this fucking anime. Get on it. Yeah, it's great stuff. I love it. I'm, I'm glad they have some merch. I, I gladly rep my Epo shirt when I can. So, yeah. And props to Uniqlo in general. I'm wearing this uh, X-Men hoodie I got. Yeah, their shit that? is comfy. Yeah, that looks pretty sweet. That, huh? Their hoodies are comfy, man. I bought a Spider-Man one, too. They got a Master Roshi one coming out in their next DBZ line. I want all this shit. Good job, Uniqlo. Shit is so affordable. It's so Ten, good. $10 t-shirts, $30 hoodies. Thank you. That is a price point I like. And just for uh, quick research purposes, I just looked on YouTube. The first 76, oh, 77 episodes. There we of go. The show Look at you. Don't even need to subscribe. They're just YouTube. giving that shit away. Mike narking on the person who put all that stuff online. Way to go, buddy. Bobby, I don't think there's a holding company that could sue that person. No one owns the rights to Epo in America. That's why Uniqlo's like, you know what? No one owns this. Let's just make some shirts. No one's gonna sue us. Um, all right. Um, Pretty sure that's one, not how copyright law works. Yeah, it doesn't, but it's okay. Well, yeah, and they're not uh, listening to me and taking legal advice. No, they're listening to Call Mike. Jokes, like, motherfucker. <laughs> Um. All right. Uh. Two quick thing. Well, one quick thing. Learning that Draymond Green was at the same Janet Jackson concert Stefan went to, and he tried to invite some of his young teammates, and they did not know who Janet Jackson was. Well, he's a man of class. Man, Our team is too young. Apparently, Our that team crowd is too young. didn't know who Janet Jackson was, <laughs> or they're just fucking shy. No one wanted to sing. Um. And then, real quick, um, your pro wrestling minute or two. Just pointing this out, uh, Steph, this just dawned on me, but this is the big week of uh, a lot of things. Um, the war has started up again. War 2.0. Um, um, the the recurring the first joke that I was reading about pro wrestling today, which I enjoyed, was, um, and I remember this last week, they were calling tonight's Raw the uh, season premiere of Raw. And so everyone was like, do I need to have seen the first 1,756 episodes to get what's going on on this, or will I be lost? 
they got mad like start from episode 378 <laughs> otherwise you won't know what's going on so i was like <laughs> i enjoy that because when have they ever called it the season from i don't know man they that was like seasons a, of pro wrestling i didn't think that until comcast and then it says like season 27 episode 285 i was like oh okay they're they're they're, they're counting yeah, this I, one, I guess. is every year a season is that how it works true because i saw the, I, the episode was insane it was more than 52 they'd have in a year it was like yeah. 200 and something like, ah. is every hour a separate an episode Ooh, anyway um monday night raw big week that I mean, week but um the wwf is going to smackdown on is going to fox on friday with smackdowns i worded that horribly the show smackdown is moving to friday nights on fox there has been and i'm there's no way any of you missed this if you watch any football um absurd amount of promotion wwe and fox this went all in on this shit there was subliminal messages of the fiend just popping up on Sunday, on, on Saturday, on Fox Football. That was cool. That was awesome, quite frankly. Um, they sent poor Kofi Kingston to go to Fox and Friends. Kofi deserves better than that. Kofi, oh, though, man. Kofi was twerking when they came across him, though, which made me happy. That's Phil, like, that- <laughs> that's some, I have a black friend, therefore I'm not racist shit right there. <laughs> Um, they got The Rock showing up on Friday, uh, to SmackDown, because as Stefan we discussed earlier today, that's The Rock's show. His show. It's his show. <laughs> it's his word, and if there's not another gigantic fist, then what are we even doing this for? Exactly. That was a joke from you old heads out there SmackDown. <laughs> um, they had racist Hulk Hogan on TV tonight, Monday. Um, they had old, I don't know if he's racist, but old Ric Flair on TV tonight. They probably got Stone Cold. They're dusting off all the old people. It's what you do. Um, the really, though, um, interesting part for a lot of people is that Wednesday night is the return of professional wrestling to Turner Network Television, TNT, with the launch of All Elite Wrestling's Dynamite. Um, we've talked about AEW a bunch of times. And this is kind of it for them, man. They're going in. They're going to have a cable television show on primetime in, in what is the best channel to have, uh, to best, honestly, it's the best, I'm not sure if it's called basic cable, the most expensive basic cable pack, uh, channel besides ESPN. And what I mean by that is that when these networks charge Comcast and stuff to air their, their, to air their network, um, the most expensive channel is ESPN, the second most expensive ESPN2, the third most expensive is TNT. So it's a big network. They used to air WCW. Some of you guys are too young for to even know what the hell that was. It was a wrestling promotion up until 2001. Um, and there was, you know, there was a war. It was WCW versus WWF at the time. They both aired at the same time on Monday nights. The war is at a lesser scale this time because WWE is firmly entrenched and they're not going anywhere. But AEW is airing opposite uh, NXT. WWE going to television with NXT entirely because of AEW. So all those guys getting bigger checks on that show should be thrilled. Marcus? Yeah, I I don't. I just want to chime in. I don't want to elongate this at all. But after seeing SmackDown last week, I literally thought after I saw that, I was like, I think AEW has a chance to catch something here. (laughs) Because this this was kind of hard garbage. And if if I'm Shinsuke and um, Askura, uh, Askura or whatever... I'm like Oscar. I'm, Oscar. I'm looking at AEW being like, man, I kind of want to be over there where I could, I don't know, have a non-racist personality, and I'm not called the Abuki Fighters or some shit, or I don't know, <laughs> have my good theme song. Like they made a great theme song, and then they just <laughs> fucked it all up. And I'm just like, you just, you took a prize possession, and we're just like, 
oh, let me just crinkle this up and put it in the corner because I don't want to play with it. And I was like, no, I'd rather these really high-quality wrestlers go somewhere where they can, I don't know, have a real match and not just be a gimmick. And just, like, just watching SmackDown, I, like, it wasn't bad. I had a good time. But it was just like, yeah, I could see how they No, could. no, you can't, you can't watch any of these shows, Mark. Like, I, I can't. Stefan and I don't watch any I of these shows. Seen Smackdown you in can't watch decade, these shows. I was like, yeah, there's a reason why. I don't no, watch. none of these shows, to be clear, none of their shows are watchable. Stefan, back, back me up on this. Good, but... No, NXT is different, but I, like I, their main shows aren't watchable. We watch recap videos that are 10 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, I, I listen to things that talk about it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I barely consume. And then, like, every once in a while, like, Simon Miller will be like, now this is the one thing in those three hours that you should actually watch. And he's right. And then I'll go watch that one thing. But otherwise, the summary, I'll be honest, Bobby, I don't even find AEW that watchable anymore. Pro I can't watch wrestling that long. too much pro wrestling content for how not that consumable pro wrestling is. This is what I'm going to watch. I'm going to, I'm going to watch the parts of AEW I'm interested in this week because they put on definitely good matches coming on. Then later, I'm going to look up and see if Matt Riddle, former UFC fighter Matt Riddle, versus Adam Cole is worth my time. I don't imagine a scenario where it's not, and I will check that out after. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to point it out, because this is kind of what it's been leading up to. And it's good for everybody. And I think we missed that in MMA too, is having a viable competitor. There are times where we think Bellator is that, but then we remember that we forget Bellator exists for six months at a time. Um, and they aren't really, you know, a viable competitor. When I'm talking about WWF and WCW being in competition, what we're talking about, Marcus, is this the wrestling version of, you know, Pride and the UFC, sure, where sure. the one that no longer exists was at one time in first place. That was a thing that happened. WCW was in first place, and there was a time where Pride ran shit, right? So the fighters having more options, the fans having more options – Everybody, it makes it more interesting. Everybody has to try harder. Competition is great. Rising tide raises all ships, you know, all that fun shit. So if you got the slightest amount of interest and have cable, AEW's on Wednesdays, uh, uh, TNT, fucking NXT's on Wednesdays on USA. W, there's some wrestling. Stefan put it out. There's wrestling every fucking night. Just go on YouTube, watch the recaps if you're interested. It's more fun anyway. But, uh, I think that's all we got this week, unless anybody's got anything else to say. Um, we'll be back next week where we're going to see if there's a, who's the unified middleweight champion of the world. Um, we're going to see if Tai Tuivasa makes Stefan look real smart and the rest of us look real stupid. Um, we're going to talk about this Joanna and Jacek versus Michelle Watterson fight. Oh, I'm going to make a bad choice in that fight too. Um, we're going to talk about Kron Gracie fighting Cub Swanson. Holy shit. That's a tough. Man, UFC doesn't fuck around. We got Michael Page fighting two and one fighters. Kron Gracie is already fighting Cub Swanson. Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about... I thought Mackenzie Dern was pregnant. She's on this card. Um, Stefan's Filipino brother, Eric Anders, on this card. Um, this card in Tampa was going to be in San Francisco at one point, And I'm looking at it, and while I would have paid to go to it, I'm not sure I would have been happy. Just, just saying. Um, that's it for this week, though. Check out UFC 243, cause I think it's, we're gonna have a hard time fighting a better matchup, just skills wise, than those two gentlemen, Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker. Um, God willing, we get to the fight. Um, until next week, Kid Presentable was here, Lavender Gooms was here, DJ Mark was here, I was Dr. Law. Peace out. See ya. See ya.